Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on over Come on over And a good evening to you all, it is 11pm straight up And Pure Gold is once again live and on the air for this Tuesday night, April 5th, 2016 Plenty to cover, so folks, welcome once again to the show that covers everything and anything, and we'll try to tonight. My name is Joe Vicino. My my co-host is David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I am doing fabulous as always, sir. Just excited to get another episode of Pure Gold underway. And of course, folks, if you'd like to be part of the program, make sure to check us out at puregoldpg.com. It's been about three months, we maybe more. We've been doing these shows, and it has not been updated, so of course, uh, but you can still hear all the episodes right there on the little side. Uh, there's a little box where you can just click on that, and you can see every episode that we've done pretty much. Of course, check out our past guests. We have a guest this evening, of course, we're going to get to that in a minute. And make sure to give us a call if you'd like to be a part of the show, 877-633-9003. Or, of course, if the, if the phone bank is too full, 929-477-2593. JV? Thanks, Dave. And on the program, longtime friend, and he was on only about a couple months ago to discuss WrestleMania 32, so we'll have a post-wrap-up discussion with him in a few minutes. Ken Reedy from the Ken Reedy Show will join us, and we'll get into WrestleMania the night after WrestleMania, which was last night, Monday Night Raw. We'll talk about all the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll also talk about opening day with the Mets Sunday night which coincided with WrestleMania, by the way. We'll talk about how that fiasco went, and we talked about, we'll talk about the game that just happened a couple hours ago. The Mets, uh, fortunately, split one and one We'll get into the Mike and the Mad Dog. We'll talk about the Mike and the Mad Dog reunion show because, let's face it, they're the inspiration. They're the reason why Pure Gold is on the air. They're the, um, the shining light, as you will. So we'll talk about them. We'll talk about Mike talking about WrestleMania. The guy never talks about wrestling. He risks wrestling all year long, but when it comes to WrestleMania... He orders it, and we'll talk about some nuggets if we have some time. So, sir, let's get right to it because our host, I mean, our guest is Actually, waiting yeah, on the line, and I'm sure that he's pretty tired because he's had a long, long, long week. Oh, I'm sure, folks. Uh, we have the honor and the privilege, of course, to be joined by the one and only, the man, the myth, the icon, the legend, Ken Reedy. And, of course, Ken, uh, first off, our question for the night, uh, we only brought you on here to talk about women's uh, college basketball. So, sir, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> Great, man. Nice to be on. You guys are too great intro. But, uh, oh, yeah, well, listen, our show, it's all about intros. We, we like to spend 10, 20 minutes uh, giving introductions for our guests and then, you know, rushing them off the show. So, listen, first off, Ken, are you still in Dallas? Because I thought I read something about that on one of your posts. Tonight, and uh, we took in the legendary Billy Bob's, uh, the world's largest honky. I'm having a hard time hearing you, Ken. Uh, did you mean? Did you pay, you sure you paid your phone bill over there? Say that again. Uh, we're having a hard time hearing you. I just want to make sure you paid uh, your phone bill this month. Oh, can you hear me now? Now, yeah, you sound better. It sounds a bit of an echo, but uh, what was that you said? Something about a famous fight you took in out there in Dallas? Yeah, we took in, uh, it's called Billy Bob's, and it's considered the world's largest honky-tonk. So uh, we, we drove out to Fort Worth <laughs> to take that in tonight. And, you know, I mean, that's the fun thing, you know, going to WrestleMania weekend. I mean, look, I enjoy going to WrestleMania but the one thing I really love is, like, it, it kind of it's, – it's the decision, like, what city are we going to visit this year? And we love taking in the local flavor. And tonight, you know, I mean, we've taken – and we've eaten more barbecue than, oh, my God. You know, i just looking forward to getting back to the Northeast and just having a salad. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Billy, Billy Bob's just awesome, so we're taking that in tonight, and uh, we fly back tomorrow. Awesome. Listen, folks, the show – is uh, brought to you by Billy Bob's. Ken's giving some cheap plugs over here. 
Listen, so Ken, let, let's get right down to it. WrestleMania was a couple days ago. Um, Joe and I went into the show. I know we had you on about a month ago, and uh, he and I both had absolutely no expectations whatsoever for WrestleMania. I would, I've never actually felt like that where I, I wasn't looking forward to it. And I have to admit, and, and Joe, of course, can touch on this too, the both of us were pleasantly surprised. We actually enjoyed it. We thought it was a pretty good show. I've seen nothing but negativity and people just ripping it all over the Internet. Um, I listened to Busted Open, pretty much all the fans ripping it, um, you know, pretty much everywhere you turn. What were your thoughts on the show? I mean, we're going to get into specifics, but overall, I mean, did you like the show? I mean, it's interesting because, you know, every year I go, it's like you take it in differently. Uh, now that I started training as a pro wrestler at IWF, um, you know, as a worker, you look at it differently. Um, being here live, I mean, the one thing about WrestleMania, being here live, it's like you're, it's always, it always blows you away as far as the sheer spectacle of it all. So it's tough not to enjoy yourself while you're here because it's just, if you've never been, there's no word to describe how huge it is. Um, I, I thought as far as the show goes, it was an entertaining wrestling show at times. At times, I scratched my head as far as the booking. Um, did I think that all the matches kind of did it have that special WrestleMania feel? I don't think so. Um, when we look at the lackluster build towards WrestleMania, was it better than the build that was advertised? Yeah, probably. So I think it's it's kind of a mixed bag. I don't think it's one of the greatest WrestleManias ever. I don't think it's one right. of the worst. I think it kind of right. falls somewhere in the middle. But considering all the injuries that they had on the roster, um, they did okay. They did okay with it. And coming out of WrestleMania and going into Monday Night Raw and all the young guys that debuted, I think we're looking at a very different year as we head towards WrestleMania next year. Agreed. Now, Ken, before I get into WrestleMania itself, uh, you flew in on Thursday, correct? So did you did you go to Access? Did you go to Hall of Fame? Or did you do anything besides WrestleMania the event itself? You know, we didn't do Access. This is the first year, actually, we didn't do Access. We usually do, but we decided, you know, uh, we just wanted a little more free time. Uh, did the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, honestly, is my favorite night. Of, of the WrestleMania weekend. That's part of uh, the reason why we go every year. Again, it's, uh, you know, as a fan, you know, but then as a, as a talk show host and now as a worker, um, I, I just admire the hell out of uh, these legends and what they've done in their careers. And uh, the Hall of Fame is my favorite part of the weekend. And, you know, this Hall of Fame class, was it an absolute slam dunk? No, but I, I thought they did a... a I thought the show was solid. I thought it was a real good show. None of the speeches dragged. Um, so I thought it was a real good show uh, as far as the Hall of Fame goes. And, I, I, again, I just admired the hell out of the legends, and that was just a really fun night. And uh, as far as other things we took in here, our, our friends at Busted Open, they did a, a tailgate party uh, before WrestleMania. So we went to their tailgate party, hung out with them for a little bit, and then headed over to, to Mania, and then we did the Raw after Mania. Oh, that's cool. So you did do you, – you were at Raw last night? Yeah. All right. That's, that's, that's pretty cool, too. Now, be, um, before I also ask my next question, uh, I want to thank you and Michelle for those exclu- exclusive photos because I was showing Dave. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Dave since – believe it or not, I haven't seen Dave since August, I think, of 2015 when I helped him move in for the uh, 100th, uh, 100th time, I think, uh, in, his, in his life. So – Probably, um, you know, WrestleMania brings uh, families and brings co-hosts together. So uh, thanks to <laughs> WrestleMania for, and uh, thank you, Dave, uh, Dave. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Ken, for those exclusive pictures. I I think your seats were oh, pretty good, um, all things considering. Congratulations. We were talking via text, Ken, that um, we didn't think that the WWE would break the record of WrestleMania three, but they did. Um, what were they just letting like everybody and anybody in at the end of the before the show started? I mean, I don't know how they did it, but I'll tell you, you know, it's, uh, again, like the spectacle of Mania and what they do. Um, and part of the fun, like I said, we take in the local uh, fair. We like visiting new cities, but I love visiting these new stadiums. I mean, part of the fun of WrestleMania, whether you're going to enjoy Mania or not, whether it's going to be a bad rate of WrestleMania or a good one, these stadiums are, are just incredible. And last year, being a 49er fan, Yep. Uh, seeing Levi Stadium out in San Jose was incredible. And, geez, I mean, Jerry's World is just 
I mean, the spectacle at that stadium is the big screen. It's just, it's it's pretty incredible. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like I mean, I don't know if there was anybody walking the streets that night. It seemed like just about everybody was 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 in that building that night. And uh, you know, you sit there and just you you look out at this sea of people and whatever the numbers happened to be, whether it was over a hundred thousand, whether it wasn't. I know all the reports are coming out that. The Rock lied to us. How dare he? Um, but uh, it was still impressive to see the number of people that were there. Now you've been no, to definitely. last couple. Yeah, you've been to the last couple WrestleManias. Uh, Ken, was it like a hundred one thousand loud, or do you feel like you've been to other louder venues? I think there have been louder. Uh, okay. I, I think there were times uh, to, at, at WrestleMania that like people were kind of scratching their head. Um, it was a decent crowd. I mean, I'm not going to say that it was it was dead. Uh, I think there were weird booking decisions that kind of hurt the crowd. Um, you know, that the crowd really wanted to get off and they just weren't able to. You know, like and and if I'm being honest, I thought that the main event was kind of lackluster. And I'm I am not a Roman Reigns hater, but I just I I just thought there needed to be something special with that main event and. It was just one of those weird WrestleManias that, aside from uh, the Stone Cold, Mick Foley, Shawn Michaels moment, which the place popped huge for, and right. it got pretty goddamn loud during that. But aside from that, like having those quote-unquote WrestleMania moments, uh, I felt like it was a little absent. And um, as much as I love The Rock, and I'm a big fan, I'm, and I'm glad he was part of it, that moment seemed a little forced to me. Uh, so I would say that the biggest pop of the night, and that's a little bit early to have your biggest pop, was the, the Stone Cold Mick Foley, uh, Shawn Michaels uh, portion of the program. Uh, so the crowd got pretty loud for that, but I think it was hit or miss a lot of the, the rest of the show. Well, I think part of the problem with that, and Joe and I were talking about it when we were watching the show, is that, I mean, when the Callisto and uh, Ryback match went on, it was he texted me, it wasn't even 6 o'clock yet, Eastern time, I couldn't believe it because we were trying to decide what time I'd come over. Um, you know, you got people sitting in the in arena, and considering the overrun, it was almost midnight on our end. You know, you're talking like six hours, seven hours. You have people just sitting there. I mean, at the end of the night, I don't know what they could have done to, to have kept it interesting. You know, so you have the fact that the crowd is tired. But I've noticed you've said this several times so far tonight, and again, I heard a lot of people saying this. Um, you talk about questionable booking decisions. Give us a couple of uh, examples, if you can, of what you you sat there as somebody in the audience thinking, what the hell was this? Like, wh- you know, why did this happen? Because Joe and I had a couple head scratches, but I'm curious what you thought. A couple of things, I mean, right off the bat that, that, that kind of struck me a bit. I mean, first and foremost, coming out of, and it's not just WrestleMania, but it's, it's Raw, is, you know, the biggest stipulation going into Raw was, you know, Shane looking for control of Raw. And Shane loses, and that was an entertaining matchup, but Shane loses, and then the next night, it's like, oh, what the hell, I'll give you control of Raw tonight. And it was just kind of weird <laughs> to me that, like, wow, that was, like, the, the biggest thing going into Mania, and then all of a sudden they turned around. It just it really kind of, the psychology and the storytelling just didn't work for me as far as how that whole thing came together coming out of Raw. Um, I felt like something special needed to happen if you are going to put Reigns in the main event with Triple H, everyone knew how that crowd was going to react, and either that shouldn't have been the main event, or you need to turn Reigns heel, or something. Something special had to happen there, and the most special thing that happened in that match was honestly Triple H's entrance. That was awesome, and Stephanie was awesome in that. Um, the other thing that kind of left me scratching my head is I just felt like Ambrose should have been more violent. Um, right. I, I just thought that like it didn't, I didn't do for Ambrose's character, what I thought it would do. Um, it just was another match of Brock Lesnar suplexing someone, you know, a hundred times and getting the pin. Uh, I thought it needed to be something where you, where Ambrose was so violent that it was in doubt that, that Lesnar could win this match. I don't think it was ever really in doubt that Lesnar was going to win. Um, so there's some decisions that I, I, I would have changed uh, as far as order of the matches. If you're going to book the heavyweight championship the way they did, I, I would have booked uh, the hell of a cell as your main event. Um, you know, if you're going to just have a straightforward match with uh, Reigns and Triple H and nothing special is going to happen, well, you obviously weren't going to top Shane going off the, the top of the cage. So 
that should have been your main event. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's easy to play armchair quarterback, but those are some of the things that struck me as a fan that uh, I, I think they just kind of missed the boat a little bit with the psychology and the storytelling. Well, as, as fans, are always going to look at stuff and say, oh, why didn't they do this or they should have done this. I mean, Joe and I had talked about this ad nauseum, and, again, we did discuss it with you and Pat the last time you guys were on the show. The whole Shane McMahon, you know, Undertaker storm, it made no sense from the beginning. Like Joe said, Shane solely going after the control of, Mo- the control of Monday Night Raw pretty much devalued SmackDown and anything else. Because the whole idea of it was, well, if you get control of Raw, you essentially have control of the company. But doesn't that mean SmackDown would then be considered vastly inferior? Wow, that is loud. Can you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry, you kind of broke up a little bit there. Yeah, no, it's because I, I heard – I don't know what's going on over there, but it's super loud on your end. Anyway, so when you look at the, the, the whole storyline in general with Shane and Undertaker, it just didn't make sense. The booking made no sense. Um, and then the main event, like you said, when you look at that, the way that, that Reigns won, you know, again, scratching our heads with Ambrose and Lesnar. When Lesnar f 5 him on the chairs, Joe I, – I don't know if Joe had said it was over. I, one of us didn't think that it was over. And we thought, oh, no, it's going to keep going. And when the three, you know, the rough hand came down for the three, we were like, wow, that's it? It's over? I mean, I never expected uh, Ambrose to have a chance. But like you said, at least show, make it seem like there was a chance. Um, and the other two things that really, that I that I hated in the aftermath was, when we get to the AJ Styles thing, but, you know, Zach Carter wins the IC title. He gets this huge moment and loses the next night on Raw to Miz, which I, I hate it because, I mean, the Miz to me is just washed up. Um, and the other thing would be would be AJ Styles, and I know wrestling they tend to trade wins back and forth, but Joe and I were saying how it makes no sense that you have AJ Styles in this match at WrestleMania, he loses it, and then the next time in Raw he becomes the number one contender to the WWE title. Um, it's a great moment because you know we like AJ, but give us your thoughts on that if you could, Ken. It, it was weird. I mean, it was it, the whole thing was. Um... You know, I mean, if they don't turn Roman Reigns heel, they really don't know what they're doing. I mean, there's right. no way at this point. Like, I mean, booking him against AJ now, I mean, the, the spattering of applause, you know, Roman Reigns may have been getting are gone. I mean, people are going to want right. to see AJ Styles uh, win that, you know, and take the title from Roman Reigns. So, I mean, if you're booking it this way, and everything you read, now again, you got to take everything you read with a grain of salt, but everything you read is the WWE wants to push Roman Reigns as their top guy, uh, top babyface. And this is not the way to do it. I mean, if that's still their plan, um, this is not the way to go. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird kind of thing. I'm happy for AJ. Uh, he's been pushed to main event status real quick, um, which I don't know. you got to take that with a grain of salt. I don't know if that's good for him. Uh, we all know AJ is, is an incredible worker, an incredible athlete. Uh, his mic skills are okay at best. Um, being pushed to main event status this early in his WWE career could be a great thing. Maybe it's not. Um, but I'm curious, really, what they're going to do with Roman Reigns now because nobody's cheering for this guy if he's going to run a program with AJ Styles. Are you surprised that the main event went off without a hitch? There was no interference by it. I thought. I really thought like somehow Seth Rollins was going to come in, maybe turn on Triple H, um, and then have that feud start up later down the year because I know Seth is not ready to come back just yet. But were you surprised that the the match was relatively clean and and Roman beat him? And I know the fans were dead. And I always talk about Dave, especially about this pay per view. I always talk about the psychology of placing certain matches. And Dave always tells me, which I agree, um, you have to like almost kill the crowd and make them like almost dead. And that rock segment I thought was pretty a, a dead segment. And then you're supposed to really raise them up for the main event, and the crowd is supposed to ha- uh, leave, you know, happy and rambunctious and loud. But uh, there was nothing. You're right. There was nothing. I don't think they did right with the main event. And I'm surprised that there was no run-in or no, no weird finish or anything. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I thought something was going to happen in that main event, and I get the whole idea they wanted to give it a clean finish, and I get that. I get going like that. But to me, I thought one of two things should have happened in the main event. Either you turn Roman Reigns definitively heel in some way, shape, or form, 
um, in that matchup. And he comes out of WrestleMania through a chorus of booze, but he's a heel now, so who cares? He's going for the booze. Or you had some sort of interference on the authorities' behalf. You Like you, you alluded to, you have Seth Rollins come out, but then you have Ambrose come out as well. And you have a shield reunion in the middle of the ring. You keep Roman Reigns a face, and the three of them are in the middle of the ring with Roman Reigns holding up that belt. Then the crowd's going to pop for that. They're going to forget that they hate Roman Reigns, and they're going to cheer the fact that those three guys are standing in the ring with the WWE Heavyweight Championship. So, to me, those are, those are the two scenarios that I think they could have gone gone in in, in the main event. And I, I just don't think they really – I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Like, I get it. And, again, we can all be critical. And, you know, I, I look at it from a, a, a wrestler's point of view as well as a, a, a talk show host point of view and a fan's point of view. And I know there are people working for the WWE that have done this a lot longer and, and are a lot smarter than I am. Um, but it does wind up being a, a moment where you just kind of scratch your head and you think, God, you had to know that the crowd is just going to crap all over this. You know, you should have done something else. And it just, it, like I said, I mean, I'm not going to say it was terrible. It was an okay match, but it was an uneventful match for WrestleMania, and it just kind of leaves you scratching your head a bit. Well, it kind of becomes, and like I was telling Joe, it's like the WWE has said, you know, audience be damned, results be damned, fans be damned, money be damned. You know, uh, ratings be damned. We're going to push this guy no matter what. And it really goes to show you that how out of touch the WWE is. There was a time, not that long ago, it seems like a long time ago, but the fans were, were clamoring for Roman Reigns and the, the the booking that they've had, you know, because of the whole Daniel Bryan phenomenon, um, has kind of messed things up. And Roman's inability to really connect with the crowd on the microphone, uh, the fact that they overly script him, you know, last night he, he sounded a little bit better his whole, you know, I'm not a good guy, I'm not a bad guy, I'm not a, whatever, I'm just the guy. You know, not bad, but, you know, he, he is the type of guy who's going to get that nuclear, almost like Vicky Guerrero heat in, in a way, and the crowd's going to crap on him for as long as they can. So it makes me wonder what the plan is, because even with John Cena, at the very least, you know, there are there is a segment of the audience that likes him. You know, there's a pretty vocal segment of the audience that likes him. With Reigns, it's like 99% negative, and it just, it just baffles me. But, you know, when I look at that main event and I look at the fact that Reigns is the champ, you know, you look at the way that things turned out. Again, in terms of the WWE going forward, there's so many different ways that they can go. I don't see how you put AJ Styles straight up in a match with Roman Reigns, like you said, because the the boos are the boos for him are going to be deafening, and I'm wondering if they're going to bring Triple Triple H in there to kind of again. I don't even know I don't even know how you book it because Reigns is so universally hated right now that there's no way I don't think to get him over as a face. So you know where do they go? What what is the plan here? I mean, I love AJ Styles, but they're not going to put the strap on him just yet. It's like they're they're going to ride this Roman Reigns train into the ground, and then I don't know what. I told Joe, um, again, not a fan of John Cena, but I I would boo I would cheer Cena like a maniac if he were in a match against Roman Reigns. That's how much I'm not into Roman Reigns. Uh, so you know, what what do you think they're doing here, Ken? Are they going anywhere, or are we just going to have to sit down and wait and see and? look at the WWE almost like they have no idea what they're doing. I don't know. I mean, good question. I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's been like, you know, a lot of WWE programming over the past year. It's a head scratcher. You wonder where they're going. Um, if we wind up getting something where it winds up being the Shield versus the Bullet Baylor Club, whatever they're going to call them, um, maybe that winds up being something the fans can sink their teeth into. Um you know, it, just a program with, with AJ and Roman, I, I mean, I, I don't get overly excited about that. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it, it does. A lot of the, the booking and the storytelling do leave you scratching your head. Uh, you do, you know, I mean, we're wrestling fans. You know, we're all fans ultimately. Whatever we do, whether it's hosting or wrestling or we're all fans. And we all, we all want to like it, you know. We don't want to hate it. Um, but right. it does it does kind of leave you scratching your head sometimes. Like what exactly are, and when you, you look at things, I mean, Jim Ross did an interview recently and he said that, you know, sometimes, look, sometimes you write stuff out and you write your storylines and you, and you put it out there. And sometimes you just got to listen to the crowd. 
And what the crowd is doing right now is they're telling me it's time to make Roman Reigns a heel. And I think he'd be a good heel. I think it would be good for him. I think it would be good for his career. I think, you know, his persona just being a, kind of a bully-type ass-kicker heel would be good for him. Um, you know, and, and honestly, if Jim Ross says it, you know, one might argue. Uh, yeah, he's right. like, you know, he's done an interview before Mania. He's like, you know, you make him a heel. It's time to make him a heel. And the fact that just not, like, sometimes I wonder if the WWE and the creative forces just do things despite uh, what the crowd is is wanting. Um, you know, I don't know sometimes what exactly their philosophy is, but I, I to me, you got to shake it up a little bit. And, and it, you know, for, um, for some fans, it gives you a little bit of optimism because you had some, some of the NXT guys debut on Raw, but you still wonder how they're going to use them and when, what direction they're going to go in with these guys. So, it, you know, any optimism that you have, you always got to take with a grain of salt because you don't know what kind of programs these guys are going to be put into. And so, I mean, I think you come out of Raw with a little bit of optimism, but at the same time, you're kind of scratching your head like, all right, well, what are they going to do now with, but to me, if you're booking AJ and, and Roman Reigns, you got to have, I mean, to me, I want to see Roman on SmackDown or, or Raw just come out and beat the holy hell out of AJ Styles and, and revel <laughs> in the booze. That's what I want to see out of him. I want to see, you know, AJ cutting some promo and, and Reigns comes out and, and blindsides him at some point and just beats the hell out of him to the point where, like, the, you know, the, the crowd is just outraged, you know, that, that whatever. Like, he needs to be held to the back. Something where he's just definitively <laughs> just this badass ass-kicking heel. Um, but, again, I don't have the confidence that the WWE is going to do that. So we'll see how they, how they play this whole thing out. Well, speaking of booking decisions and speaking of getting the hell beat out of them, what were your thoughts? I mean, I thought the crowd enjoyed it. I don't know about Joe. I think Joe's on something, some, you know, bad medication. But when The Rock came out, I'm, I'm literally sitting there, and I'm like, this can't, is this it? He's done. He came out to announce the crowd. Then the whole Bray Wyatt segment happens, and The Rock has, of course, the historic impromptu match against Eric Rowan, because they kept telling Joe there's no way he's wrestling a match. He's pretty much contractually obligated not to wrestle matches so he doesn't get injured. But what were your thoughts on that, and how do you think the crowd reacted to, you know, The Rock's amazing WrestleMania 32 moment, you know, greatest match of all time? It, it just it was one of those things where the crowd popped huge when his music hit. And, look, this is one of those things that I think you, you can't blame the WWE for. Um, they just wanted him to be a part of Mania in some way, shape, or form, and whatever those Hollywood obligations were, uh, they could only use him a certain way. Uh, but I agree with you. As, as a fan, like, it kind of it, it leaves you a little flat. Like, LaRock comes down, and, uh, you know, it's like, oh, look, he's got a match with Eric Rowan. Yay! You know, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I almost like when it's all said and done, like match aside, I almost rather he didn't have anything physical and just announced the crowd and left. Uh, the match, I was like, do we really need that? And, uh, you know, again, he's the rock. And I guess if, if you have a chance to have the biggest uh, star in Hollywood as part of your program in any way, shape or form, you grab him. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it wasn't something that kind of left me excited as a fan. You know, uh, exactly. I think I agree with you. I, I thought the segment was a little long and drawn out, even though the match only lasted six seconds. But um, I would have been just happy for Rock just to uh, tease the crowd, get the crowd riled up, and just announce the attendance and be done with it. But he got his match. He got a six-second match. He got the record, whatever that is. But but then you talk about uh, Raw real fast before letting go, Ken. Uh, the crowd, I thought, was really hot. I mean, you could hear them. They were chanting all night. You guys were chanting all night. Um but to me, they had the momentum with, with Raw last night that I don't think WrestleMania had as it, as they went off the air. And I think Raw kicked off pr- pretty good, but I didn't understand the logic of, you know, giving Shane one night. But to be honest with you, Ken, even if he had, he had control for one night last night, and to me, it was just a typical Raw. I mean, nothing was different that Triple H or Stephanie would have booked, to be honest with you. I mean... I didn't see one difference, so I, I mean, I don't see why Sheen was put in control. I don't know where they're going to go with it, if they're just going to drop it after he gets one night. But give me your thoughts on, do you, do you think this leads into, like, a plot hole where Sheen somehow gets control, or this is just a one-night thing and that's it? 
I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know what they're going to do going forward, but I, I agree with you. <laughs> I, it was one of those things where I, I kind of looked at it as like, well, yeah, good. Shane was in charge, and there was the uh, same old Raw. Uh, right. <laughs> I thought I the exact same thing sitting there. I mean, the crowd looked. When you market Raw and you market and you look at like wrestling, WWE moving forward, you got to take the Raw after Mania crowd with a grain of salt because that crowd right. now, traditionally, that crowd just just they come in the door looking to hijack Raw. Um, that's that's the way the crowd is. I'm not like that to be honest with you, but the crowd looks to hijack Raw. That's that's the mo of of that Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, I, to me, it's one of those, like, it, it's it's class half full, half empty. I agree with you. I thought it was, like, a typical role, but um, it, I, I think if you're going to have Shane booking things, he should have been involved more storyline-wise, just on camera more. Um, you know, you had, I mean, it's essentially with the way you look at the WWE, it's like WrestleMania is the end of the season, and Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania is game one. And you had some NXT guys debut. We want to see how they're used. Uh, do we see differences? They've acknowledged the fact on TV that there have been some, some things lacking. Do we see some better storytelling? Do we see some better psychology? I hope so. Um, but I can't say definitively coming out of Monday Night Raw that I'm, I'm all like, yay, they, they, they finally righted the ship. Um, it was an okay Raw. I don't think it was a great Raw. I don't think it was a horrible Raw. Um, but I'm not of, of the mindset that, yay, they've righted the ship. I think there's a lot of things they got to uh, look to change. Um, if, if the least of the, you know, if their storytelling and their psychology got a little bit better, uh, maybe they wouldn't have to have all these guys having these ridiculous spots all the time, and you wouldn't have all these injuries on the roster. I mean, uh, you know, first and foremost, like, I mean, keeping your roster healthy and looking at what you're doing as a brand, uh, might be one of the things that they really need to look at uh, moving forward. And, you know, that's, uh, again, a certain amount of optimism coming out of Raw, but as far as uh, being a, a fan of this, um, I'd like to say I'm optimistic, but it's, it's cautious optimism at best. Yeah, I, I really don't think, uh, like, case in point to your to what you said and what me and Dave have said for a while now is, like, Vince just doesn't want to give the fans what they want. I mean, the case in point that I have is just you have Zack Ryder win the Intercontinental title, doesn't even get a, a reign, um, like a title defense or anything like that. He loses it last night to uh, The Miz, who I don't understand why he needs the title again. So uh, for him to, like, just crap all over Zack Ryder the day after WrestleMania when the fans just loved it at WrestleMania, it just... It just is the the case in point that um, Rinster really doesn't care what the fans want, and um, they raked in probably a ton of money. Obviously, with the gate, they t- probably raked in a lot of money. That's with, a nice gate. With, yeah, with the merchandise, so they, they got what they want. That they got the nice money. Gate. <laughs> Very nice gate. We'll, we'll get to the gate later, but but Ken, I, I do want to appreciate you coming on two months ago to to preview WrestleMania and coming on tonight because I know it's been a long week and you must be beat. So you have a safe flight back, you and Michelle, and uh, thanks for everything, the pictures and the uh, the feedback and everything else. No problem. Thank you guys for having me on. And uh, before I go, guys, be sure to check out uh, IWF. CampIWF.com is uh, the website. We got our big show April 16th, benefiting the Nutley, New Jersey Relay for Life. So battling cancer, raising funds for that. So I'm proud to be a part of that. So be sure to check that out. Check out my show and you guys. Awesome job. Thanks for having me on, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Take it easy. Folks, that was was the the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Ken Reedy. And, folks, we will be back right after that. I mean, Joe's trying to cut me off. You know, he's hogging up the whole interview with Ken Reedy. He's asking all the questions. And he also wants to take it so that we don't go to break. I mean, unbelievable, folks. This guy is out of control. We will be right back after this. Hi, this is Brittany Bell, Miss Arizona USA 2010. And make sure to tune in every week to Pure Gold for the best interviews and talk radio. Joe and David are the best. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. What's up, guys? This is actress Jen Lilly telling you to tune in to Pure Gold Radio. Pure Gold brings you amazing guests, awesome interviews, and great talk radio every week. Check them out at puregoldpg.com. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. 
<laughs> and we're back, folks. Joe, I know you have a lot of nuggets, so take it away, sir. Yeah, that, that's a great segue. Um, I, I love the way that you uh, brought us back from there. Let's let's get right into that. The fact that um, Mike Francesa, who's like the sports pope, like never he always seems to never talk about wrestling. And who who could blame him? He never talks about wrestling until it's WrestleMania season, or maybe the day before WrestleMania, or the day after WrestleMania. But Mike Francesa decided that yeah, it was time that he bought his kids WrestleMania. Spent, um, I guess it's seventy bucks on it because he doesn't have the network. Apparently, he he buys the pay per view for his kids. Doesn't watch the pay per view except I guess he watched the first five minutes of the ladder match, which opened WrestleMania. But lets his kids watch it up until eight forty five, and then it's off to bed. So uh, it must be nice to be making the millions upon millions, and then just drop seventy bucks and just tell your kids, yeah, it's time for bed. I don't care. The show's not over, but you're going to bed. <laughs> No, it was great, sir. And what's funny is that, you know, Mike was actually on uh, WrestleZone.com. I mean, this was such a big deal, apparently, to whoever runs WrestleZone. They even posted a link to the article, to the uh, to audio of him talking about WrestleMania. And, I, I mean, I thought the comments, of course, were overwhelmingly negative. Everybody complaining about Mike, hating on him, talking about he gets some of the best ratings in sports talk radio. Um, last I checked, he's the sports pope, first of all. You show him respect. And second of all, he gets the best ratings in all of Sports Talk Radio, sir. Is that not correct? That is correct. You're right. Yes, I don't know what the hell these guys are talking about. But um, anyway, at the at the end of the day, I'm listening to this thing. And, you know, you and I are texting each other back and forth. I thought it was absolutely hilarious that he's over here talking about how he's crestfallen and basically that his life is ruined and, um, you know, his kids have just, like, destroyed him and, you know, he, he's just so sad, and he, where did he go wrong, blah, 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 as he likes to say. And then he talks about, <laughs> like Joe Merson, please, Dad, please, his kids begging like dogs, absolute dogs, to get their dad to order WrestleMania. And then about nine minutes later, all right, guys, it's 7.09, go to bed. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. He, he, he spends 60 bucks, 70 bucks, whatever it is. All I kept thinking to myself was, why didn't these kids just make him get the WWE Network for $10? But exactly. I guess that was, too, that was too difficult. But the fact that Mike orders this, drops 60 70 bucks, and doesn't even give a damn that, you know what, turn it off in an hour. I, that just blew my mind. So I, I thought it was hilarious. I really loved listening to him, you know, talking about wrestling and just, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I that was the part that stuck out to me the most. It's like I told you today on the phone when we spoke, you know, we did our um, our uh, rundown and our pre-show, you know, the pre-game warm-up, whatever you want to call it, our production meeting. I told you it's like me taking my kids to the movies and, you know, staying through the, the credits and, then, I mean, staying through the, the opening, you know, trailers and then leaving. Like, that's pretty much what Mike did to his kids. <laughs> I mean, awesome. Mike, yeah, yeah, Mike did a good job with that. I thought last year was even funnier, even though this was a good. Um, he told a good story about like the post WrestleMania, how he ordered it and everything. But I, I thought uh, it, I thought it was hilarious last year when he started doing the math and he started like multiplying how many seats there are and uh, times the the price that the average price of the ticket. He's like, and he kept saying, you know, that that's a nice gate, you know, that's a nice gate. And he talked uh, about that is how. A nice gate. <laughs> He talked about how Vince McMahon raked in all the money because he's like, these guys are not pr- uh, prize fighters. They're not like boxers. They don't make tons of millions of pounds, millions of pounds, millions of dollars. John Cena probably makes a couple million dollars, but uh, all that money really went to Vince McMahon and uh, the company. And he's like, you know, that that's pretty good. And you know, you, he was like impressed. I, I what I thought was pretty cool was Joe and Evan were both impressed that, uh, you know, they got a bigger crowd than the Super Bowl being in Texas. Of course, um, you would fit more people with a wrestling event than the Super Bowl. But, that's but a nice people gate. were saying, Yeah, that's a nice gate. People were saying, like, you know, they beat Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, in theory, they. I mean, realistically, they did the amount of people, but you can't fit that many more people at a Super Bowl versus a wrestling event. So for them to beat right, uh, the, the Super Bowl. Right, because the arena doesn't, doesn't take up a lot of space, you know, and the right. way that they configure it, they make sure – they pretty much have people sitting under the ring. Hell, they'll put people in the rafters. They don't care. I exactly. still don't buy that hundred that hundred and one thousand crowd. They must have padded yeah. those seats. They must have just given them away. They must have had the local homeless population just to say, you know, we'll give you a meal for the night. Just go watch WrestleMania. I just don't know how, with that lackluster turd of a crowd, how they got so many people is beyond me. It's beyond me too. And uh, since we're on the topic of our our hero, the the reason why we have pure gold. Um, you know, last last Wednesday, I believe, March 30th, 
Mike and the Mad Dog reunited in Madison Square Garden, the Garden of Dreams, and had their three-hour reunion show with Basically, they did a show like we do, Dave. I think maybe they they, they probably listened to us. They, they, they did a show without any really commercials. They talked for about three hours straight with guests and uh, never took a break. And um, I thought it was good and bad. You know, like I thought some parts were dragged. The guests that they had on were okay. I mean, I liked some of them. Some of them I didn't like. I didn't, you know, Mark Messier. Basically, every team uh, guest that he had on was a team that I didn't like. You know, I don't like the Yankees. He had Joe Torre. They had Mark Messi. I don't like the Rangers. I mean, they had Tom Coughlin. They had the Giants. So um, the, the show was cool in a nostalgic way. But um, what are your thoughts on it first? And I'll, I'll let you know what I thought, too. I mean, I thought it was a good show. I agree with you. It was definitely too long. You know, three hours without commercials, that's pretty difficult. I think my favorite part of the whole thing was, other than their, their back and forth, you know, I just tell you, their back and forth, uh, you know, the joking around, the laughs, the mail. Say something funny, Mike. <laughs> Say something funny. <laughs> I thought that was great. I thought Doug and Mike really have a great chemistry, which very few people have. I mean, you and I are about the only people I can think of who can, I mean, we're, we're, we're probably just, you know, one step below Mike and the Mad Dog in terms okay. of quality, but. But the fact that they can just get on the stage after not being together for eight years and, you know, basically, and doing a show I thought was impressive. But I love the fact that Tom Coffin is so miserable and so <laughs> angry and so upset and hates the Giants the way he does. And I'm a Giants fan, by the way, and I, and I like Tom Coffin. But, you know, you can tell he's bitter. You can tell that he's upset. He got screwed. And, he, you know, he, he addressed it. When they mentioned, you know, the, basically the, the talent that the Giants have brought in, I mean, Tom took a shot at them, he, you know, and they said, oh, well, you, can you see yourself doing something with the Giants? No. You know, I mean, he was quick to answer. You know, Mike was saying that Tom definitely is an honest guy, so he's not going to lie to you and BS you. And, and I think that that really came through, but it came across as him being miserable, and I think it was more like, damn. I mean, the Giants, the Giants wanted to get rid of him, and I, I don't understand why. You can't blame the last three, you know, six and ten seasons on him. But I think the fact that, you know, he was so upset about it, and it, it just came out of his pores, and I love that aspect of it because he was honest in a way that coaches never get a chance to be because, you know, they're beholden to the companies that they work for. So I thought that was great, to be honest with you, sir. That was, yeah, I mean, that was I thought that was really cool to see because um, he could have been PC about it because the way they let go of Tom Coughlin – I mean, they didn't outright say he was fired. They just said they had a mutual agreement that they were he was going to part ways with the company. But then you could tell that uh, Tom Coughlin's still bitter at the situation. And good for him for just speaking his mind on a show that probably got a uh, pretty good rating because Mike and the Mad Dog, oh, I mean, that, re- that nice reunion gate. was, yeah, it was a nice gate. I mean, so. <laughs> Listen, you know, we have to find out a way. we got to find a way to get audio of oh, the nice gate so we can use that as part of our our audio sound bites. i got to look I'm that sure. up and see if I can edit it because that is awesome. <laughs> hey, Mike, it's a nice gate. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like I said, the truth is the Giants, they made all these moves and all these, you know, pretty good defensive players they brought in. Those are moves they could have made with Tom Coughlin still here. They just wanted him out, which I don't get, but I thought his misery and his uh, terrible – you know, demeanor towards the Giants was great to see as a, as a Giants fan, by the way. I loved it. <laughs> I agree. And uh, just talking about the show itself, I thought, I mean, I started to think, like, the, was I know Mike Francesa wants to retire in 2017, and Russo came back and was all lovey-dovey with uh, WFAN, and they told some interesting stories. Um, I just had this weird thought, and I don't know how well it would go over and how the ratings would be, but is there any chance that when Mike retires, I don't think they're going to reunite, by the way. I just, the, the way I, I got the vibe from last Wednesday that they don't want to ever work together again. But do you ever get the, the sense that Russo would love to come to WFAN and have the 1 to 5 or 1 to 6.30 time slot by himself? Um, I would love that. I think it would be great. I would love it if, if Chris came back and took Mike's slot and then Mike would call in on, um, you know, on Fridays, right, and just do the, the picks. I mean, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. I would love that. So, um, other than that, I mean, I, I really, um, again, because it was three hours, it was a little bit long, drawn out, but it was good to see those two guys back um, together um and I thought they did a good job. They raised some money for a good cause, the Garden of Dreams. So they did a good job with that. I mean, <laughs> that's but, a nice you know, gate for the Garden of Dreams. Hopefully, it's not another eight years, like he said, to do another reunion show because that would uh, 
That would suck. Like I said, nice gate. For the Garden <laughs> of Dreams. So, so we Ooh. pretty much, the one thing that we should, because we talked about Mike Francis only because we were talking about WrestleMania, we didn't really dive into Raw. Let me just backtrack and then we'll just finish up with like the Mets and some Nuggets. With with Raw last night, like uh, like uh, Ken was saying though, the the crowd uh, looks to hijack the show the night after WrestleMania, and I, I guess that they did that last night too. The one thing that um, you know to me makes no sense at all, real fast, is that Shane McMahon somehow gets control of Raw for one night because his, his dad, I guess, feels bad for him or whatever. But again, there was no difference in any like uh, the raw from last night versus any other raw. So, I mean, what, what was even the point of Shane being in control? You could, if you had turned on Raw after that first segment, you wouldn't know that Shane was in control, would you? Yeah, no, I agree with you totally. It made no sense. It it was totally um, like another episode. Of, we said it. We said it on the phone. Totally like another episode of Raw it made absolutely no sense. More nonsensical booking decisions by the WWE. Yep, and uh, of course, again, Vince just doesn't really care what we what we think about or what we want because Zack Ryder drops the title the night after, and um, the only other, and that that to me is just a shame because Zack Ryder got a huge pop at WrestleMania. I mean, it was so cool for him to see. It was so cool for him to push off the Miz off the ladder and then win that belt, and you know his he was so ecstatic, and it was definitely organic. It wasn't like. Um, like scripted, where the, his celebration was so cool, and then his dad was there, and I thought everything was cool about that. The only thing, the only other two things we didn't really talk about between WrestleMania and Raw was the fact that they introduced a new women's. Uh, that, well, they got rid of the Divas title, and now they they have a women's division. They have a women's title. Um, the, the, <laughs> right. The one. Th- <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say though, Isn't Dave. I mean. <laughs> I I know like you hate me for being so like uh, picky and so like weird about belts, but I'll be honest with you. Like the belt looks nice, and I understand that it's supposed to look like the the men's title. But to be honest with you, I don't like red on red. The red on red, the red on red with the swoosh, just to me, just makes no sense. It would have made more sense to me if the W the WW was red, and then the swoosh was white, and then the background was red. And yep. the WWE had like a, a white outline around. I agree with you. It's you know, I'm not as picky and weird as you are when it comes to that. I mean, this guy's got like 30 belts held hostage, hijacked downstairs in his basement of his of his you know nine bedroom mansion that I went to the other day. Unbelievable! <laughs> All these years talking about you know, oh my house, my house gets flooded, my house gets flooded. What an absolute scam! What a sham that was. You probably flooded that damn place on purpose just to get the hell out. So you could scam your wife into coming to this new house that you probably had to had to sell Sabrina into some sort of like you know, uh, you know some sort of like kid uh, slavery or something. I don't even know how, how to explain it. I mean, folks, I go to this guy's house on on you know he's been he's been begging like an absolute dog. I mean, like a dog. Total you know side note like like a dog. The way that Bruce Wayne's parents told Joe Till that they begged, and he then told you know Carmine Falcone and Batman Begins. I mean, this guy's been basically offering me money, literally offering you to come. I'll give you a check. It's coming to my house. Pathetic. Anyway, I go to this guy's house, and I mean, he—he's this place is so big. You can Dave, fit money. Dave. Yeah. Sorry. First, first, um, let's let's backtrack yeah, a bit. You, you look. Let, let's backtrack. <laughs> when you first parked at the house, right? You, you're like, this is a small house. Oh yeah. So I pull up to the I pull up to this 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 freaking mansion. This prison pretty much looks like the mansion that. Uncle Phil lives in from, uh, you know, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's how big this house is. But anyway, I pull up to this this one-room shack, and I'm thinking, wow, man, it looks like Joe went from, you know, uh, he's living in the trailer home. It looks so small from the outside. But when you step in, I mean, he's got a football field for a living room. You go to the back, he's got, got, uh, you know, a baseball stadium size for his other – I mean, this guy's got like three living rooms in this house. His basement downstairs. I literally made this comment. You could fit the entire IWF. You could put an indie uh, indie show or indie wrestling promotion downstairs, and you could set up bleachers. This thing is so big. And it's, it's folks. It's so ridiculous. His house is so big. His daughter just rides around her bike in the basement. I mean, this palace, this mansion that he's got going. Then you go to the rooms. Each room is bigger than my entire apartment, by the way. And it's just unbelievable. His his daughter, I don't even, I always forget how old she is. She's like six or seven. She basically has a whole floor to herself. 
you know, she she's like living on cloud nine. She's got her own bathroom, which is bigger than my entire, you know, three bedrooms put together. I mean, unbelievable, folks. This guy has been scamming me for years, living in this, like I said, in this shack, in this dilapidated shack, and he moves into this, you know. It, it, I joke with him, and I go, hey, uh, well, he tells me, what time are you coming over for WrestleMania? You want to come at five? I, I, I don't even know what I said. I know I can't repeat it on the air, and it, it was totally offensive. I'm like, are you out of your mind, you freak? I don't need to spend three hours, you know, parading around your, the west wing of your mansion. Little did I know that this this is bigger than the White House. Unbelievable, folks. I was absolutely disgusted when I saw the, the, the grandiose, you know, there's – Joe could fit the entire homeless population in New Jersey in his house. That's how big it is. And he's just so selfish. He's keeping it just for him and his wife and his daughter. It's un- won't even let his dad into the house. I mean, absolutely disgusted with this guy. Talk about Zach Ryder's dad. We're talking about him <laughs> celebrating. I don't, even think, I don't even think Joe lets his own father into this house. You know, just this just, just absolutely disgraceful performance, you know. Anyway, so, so I go into this mansion. I'm just floored. And the whole night, all he can do is talk about how big the house is and Oh, you know, I'm just so glad you came over. You know, he has this 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 buffet, this spread for me, just unbelievable. And you never see a guy so so pathetic trying to beg someone to come to his house just so he can brag about how big his house is. It's an absolute joke, folks. I mean, this guy is an absolute joke. But anyway, getting back to wrestling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All-time classic cheer golden rant right there. Um, there you go. Well, well, I don't even know. I don't even know what the hell we were talking about. I, I don't even know why I started talking about your house. But um, you know, hopefully I'll, after Andrew hears this, I'm sure I'll never get invited to that place again. So it was nice going for the first time and the last time. But you know, the Zack Ryder thing. Getting back to that, it just makes no sense. And it, it's pretty much I equate Zack Ryder losing the title the next in a row to you having a house that fits 30 people. It just it just makes no sense. It absolutely just totally just egregious, and it's like they, they just wanted to st- stick it to Zack Ryder and say, "Hey, here, we're gonna give you one moment. Screw you. You don't even deserve it. You get one night." It just it absolutely made no sense to me, sir. Made no sense, and other things that didn't make sense, like starting WrestleMania at five o'clock with a match, like you said uh, earlier on the show, with uh, Kalisto and Ryback. And Ryback has been ranting and raving. He's been shooting from the hip about. He's the bigger guy. He's stronger. He's bigger. He's badder. And what did he do? He uh, in front of about ten thousand people because let's face it, <laughs> they're just opening up uh, AT&T Stadium, and the guy loses a match to Kalisto, so you don't see him on Raw the next night. And that's another thing, Dave. Like I mean, WrestleMania was uh, two nights ago, and Raw the, the biggest night, uh, the biggest Raw is usually the night after WrestleMania, and you you don't have Brock Lesnar who should have a beef about getting a title shot now that he's disposed of Dean Ambrose for whatever reason he fought Dean Ambrose and that match itself sucked. So another thing that, that didn't make sense to me was how do you not book Brock Lesnar to show up and just like either just destroy people or just demand a title match is beyond me well, and how listen Go ahead. they didn't want to waste they didn't want to waste the limited dates that Brock has, so we'll see him again around SummerSlam when <laughs> it's time for me to go back to your house again. I mean that's pretty much it. There's no other point, you know, absolutely pointless. They, it makes no sense to me, sir. Absolutely no sense. It's all about making no sense. How about the fact that, like, I was predicting about, like, at least 20 glitches with the uh, the network and it freezing up and we complaining about it, and not once did it skip at all. I, to me, that's, that was another bizarre thing two nights ago. It, yeah, it was it – was, <laughs> it's funny – we complain about the fact that there's so many glitches, and the one time there's no glitches, you still find a way to complain. Unbelievable! Why don't you why don't you just go sit back in your in one of your you know many pools you have in your house, you freak? <laughs> you, know, you make me sick. <laughs> All right, this is a good segue to talk about not only about WrestleMania Sunday night and you coming over for the first time, and we physically not seeing each other for about eight plus four plus four about eight months. We haven't seen each other about eight months, and then you come over for WrestleMania, finally come over. Um, and then we decide that, yeah, the Mets are opening up um, Sunday night against the Kansas City Royals, so I'm going to use my phone to watch the game. And uh, give me your take on oh, opening night and what you thought about the Mets, and then we'll just get into it. Well, the Mets pretty much didn't show up until the eighth inning of that game, so I was pretty pissed at that. And I got to tell you, you know, not only does this guy have like an 80-inch plasma TV that, you know, takes up the entire wall, 
He's got this huge iPhone, the biggest phone I've ever seen in my life. It's like a D, it's like a DVR, you know. It's it's like a friggin' uh, DVD player strapped to his, his waist, and he gives it to me. So I'm over here watching the Mets game while I'm watching the you know WrestleMania. It's unbelievable, you know. It's just just the technology and just the absolute you know rub it in your face that this guy's doing. But um, you know, totally disgusted by that, by the way. Anyway, yep. so I'm I'm watching this game and and I just pretty much gave up like the seventh inning because I hadn't done anything. Of course, when I stopped watching, the Mets go and score three runs and almost come back inside the game. But they looked terrible. Cespedes looked terrible defensively. They just didn't look like they knew what the hell they were doing. And I was really annoyed with them because what bothered me, it was like a continuation of the World Series. It was like World Series Game Six and the Mets lost again to the Royals. So that that just annoyed me because it's the same way they played during the World Series, which cost them the game. But today was a totally different story. You know, Syndergaard shut them down for a team that makes contact. The Mets struck them out. I'm pretty sure it was 12 times. Uh, Syndergaard struck everybody out. And, you know, Neil Walker, the great Neil Walker, the greatest man of all time, Neil Walker, released the two-run homers down the right field line. And, you know, the Mets played well. He's familiar, came in there, struck guys out. I mean, the the Mets dominated today. Honestly, their pitching showed why they can hang with anybody. And it's just they look good. You know, I'm sure that there's a little bit of redemption for Familia. You know, I didn't realize he blew three games in the World Series. I mean, obviously, I I saw the series, but I guess I kind of must have missed one of them. And between all my bouts of, you know, going nuts and screaming at the TV and turning it off before the game was over. I mean, that's pretty horrible. Three blown saves for a closer in the, in the same World Series. But uh, I'm sure he felt a little bit a little better today after, uh, you know, laying a smackdown on the Royals there. You know, coming off of the spring training, the Mets looked sloppy. I mean, I didn't really watch a full game of spring training, but you thought that the team was going to come out, you know, with a with a purpose, with motivation. But no, what we got in spring training was, um, you know, Cespedes and his like 800 cars, one a day, which made no sense to me. Like for them to that to be the story, and then Matt Harvey became the story about him not pitching open night because he uh, he hurt his arm, and people were th- talking about that. But it ended up being uh, some bladder infection or bladder clot that he had that he get removed. So um, right. the Mets, the Mets came out of spring training. Um, I think very sloppy. I mean, they came out, and then it showed. I think. I mean, when Cespedes dropped that ball in the first inning, I mean, you showed it to me on my phone, and I was like, I'm not watching any of this crap. <laughs> I mean, it reminded me. It reminded me, like you said, about the World Series last year when he dropped that ball or he lollygagged it. And it was an inside the Parker. So to me. Cespedes needs to step up, and the, the Mets are going to win games, but they got to play better defensively. I think that the starting pitching is going to carry them, obviously, a long way. It's the best starting pitching in the majors. So look what Syndergaard did tonight versus what the Mets did defensively um, on Sunday night. I just think that if the Mets play solid defense, I think the Mets are going to win at least 95, 96 games. And, um, you know, at Cespedes, least are you, 95, 96 games? Are you kidding me? Yeah, at least. I mean, I said, and and honestly, Cespedes needs to Cespedes needs to play better defensively, and he he needs to have one of those Manny Ramirez type years where he hits like 42 home runs and drives in about 135, and the Mets will be all right. They might get another reliever here or there before the trading deadline. Other than that, sir, and if they stay healthy, especially starting pitching. I think the Mets are going to go far. I'm, I'm glad that they took the, they split the series. And now, for some reason, the schedule is so weird. They're off tomorrow and Thursday, and they open up at home against Philadelphia. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird season. But I mean, I'm glad they got the the ship righted. And you know, here we go, sir. The I'm I'm predicting 161 and one. That's my uh, prediction. I, I don't see them losing again for the rest of the year. <laughs> you don't, huh? <laughs> no, definitely not. So I didn't get to watch, you know, I because of Easter, because of my wife not being, um, you know, at home. She was in uh, Virginia over the week, last week. I didn't get to watch Batman vs. Superman, but, I mean, you don't have to give anything away about the movie, but um, I, I don't know. I got this vibe that the movie is just not as good as they thought it was, and, um, you know, people are telling me Ben Affleck is the best Batman ever. Give me your take on that kind of stuff. Don't get into the movie, the plot itself, but... Just give me your take on that and what you think, where they're going from here with that the series and everything else. <laughs> All right. We got two minutes. We got two minutes. <laughs> oh, baby! Listen, this is all I have to say about Batman vs. Superman. 
seen the movie so I don't want to get into the actual plot of it but yeah. you know the movie has, has dropped when you look at the amount of money that it made in that first week which of course you know it's a good thing because you, you say well they made a ton of money and then they became only the second movie ever to lose a, to drop a hundred million dollars from one week to the next or from you know to lose a hundred million dollars basically and the other one would be Avengers 2 Age of Ultron so it's in good company but the movie the, the ticket sales have slowed down that first week was monster and they've made some money, but it's definitely not going to reach any of the goals that they that they set at the beginning. Um, you know, and the word got out. The critics panned it. It's very dark. Um, there's no one thing I told my wife after the movie, because she hated it, but, you know, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, the Avengers movies, Marvel movies, they're, they're, they have a lighthearted tone to them. There's um, It's kind of like a movies that can appeal to anyone. There's action, there's adventure, there's romance, but there's, there's a nice light comedy element to it, and there's none of that at all in Batman vs Superman. It's just dark, and it gets darker, and it gets more weird and morbid. Um, there's a very strong anti-God sentiment in the movie. You know, they they compare Superman to God, and Lex Luthor is basically like this crazy, deranged atheist who, you know, just a lot of just just things that, if you really pay attention to it, they went far off the beaten path when it comes to what the source material is. And just you know, again, depending on your 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 take on it, it definitely if you're uh, if you're somebody who considers himself a a man of the cloth or a woman of the cloth, as it were, somebody who's you know remotely, I guess remotely is not the correct word, but somebody who's pretty you know religious. There's some there's certain choice words that are used that I would say are just just too far, you know. And you're kind of waiting for Lex to get his comeuppance. I I thought. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg was awful as Lex Luthor. I mean, he played the role the worst way possible. He was basically the, the Riddler, which is nothing like what Lex is supposed to be. And there's just so much negative in the film. Um, again, the source material is just way too dark. It's just I couldn't get into it. Gal Gadot did a good job as Wonder Woman, amazingly enough. And I think the best part of the entire movie is when she comes down, you know, for makes her first appearance as Wonder Woman. Um Aside from that, again, it just wasn't a kind of movie that I think would appeal to everyone. Some people think it's amazing. Some people think it's great. But the vast majority of what I've read online has been overwhelmingly negative about the film. It, it's got a pretty bad score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a consensus of different critics. And I mean, I definitely want you to see the movie uh, and, you know, tell me what you think just for the sake of the show so we can talk about it and really get into details. But I definitely do not think that Ben Affleck was the best Batman of all time. I thought he was good, um, you know, there's certain points in the movie that I just don't understand. I mean, you know, this is supposed to be the world's greatest detective, and he was anything but at certain parts. But aside from that, he definitely was not the greatest Batman of all time. And still, in my opinion, would have to be either Val, Val Kilmer or George Clooney. Um, <laughs> it's either Michael Keaton or Christian Bale still. You know, people saying, like, it's undoubted. There's no way anybody else even came close. It's just ridiculous, and people just, you know... To get better hobbies, but um, definitely a disappointing experience, sir. And the funny thing is, I went into that movie with low expectations, and it was worse than I thought, sir. Wow. I mean, I'm looking forward next... to Captain. Listen, I'm looking forward to Captain America Three: uh, Civil War. That that's that's going to be an awesome movie. Yeah, I was just wondering. I mean, because you follow more than me, what's the next movie in this series, the Zack Snyder series? What's is it? Dark Side. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I'm actually not sure where they're going. Again, I can't because I'd have to. I'd have to get too much into the plot of the movie and basically yeah. ruin it for you since you haven't seen it. But I thought that, um, you know, they haven't done a true Man of Steel sequel. That's not what this is. This is more of a Batman movie. Superman happens to be there, so they'd have to do that. Um, you know, it just doesn't. I don't think it sets up well for Justice League or anything else. So, you know, again, there's just so much negative about the film, and I think that they really blew their chance at creating a great concept for, you know, the Justice League and everything else. I think I think that, that opportunity has passed them by, sir. It just shows to show you that to know what the hell they're doing when it comes to uh, comic movies. Yeah, and I hope, to, again, uh, just for the sake of our show, I hope to go see it before the next, our next show next Tuesday, and then we'll rip it to no end because that's what we do. It's interesting how 
again, uh, folks, just to wrap up the show, it's interesting how me and Dave went into WrestleMania with no expectations or little expectations and actually had a, thought it was a decent show. I mean, the first two matches were really good. I thought they were really hot uh, with the ladder match and then AJ Styles against Chris Jericho. Don't understand why Chris Jericho won, and now all of a sudden AJ Styles is number one contender. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah. we could be here all night, and I don't want to be here all night talking about the WWE because they don't give a crap about us, and we don't give a crap about them. I like so, turtles. Exactly. So uh, I think it's uh, good to wrap it up here, and um, we'll talk next Tuesday. Definitely, sir. I'm sure we won't talk next Tuesday because something will come up. But, folks, thanks for checking us out. Thanks to Ken Reedy for being a guest. Make sure to check us out, puregoldpg.com. Sir, as always, it's been a pleasure. Yours, of course. And uh, hopefully we're going to, you know, have a... Uh, what do you say about this? And we, out of your homes. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully Nikki Boyer uh, calls next week, right? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, there's a possibility. So I'll wait to, uh, when I hear from her, I'll let you know, sir. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we are. And I got to say, I love when Mike says pure gold. That's great. Have a good night, sir. Let's good go, Good night, man. sir. Let's go, man. Woo. Woo.